Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. You doing all right? You ready for this? I want to preach today on the fall of Satan. Seems to be popular. Jesus said, I saw the Satan fall like lightning. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And what happens when Jesus gets to Jerusalem? It's kingdom come. When Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the king, when the king gets to Jerusalem, he will ascend his throne to begin his reign over the nations. Now, in preparation for the king's coming into the city of Jerusalem, Jesus first sends out his 12 apostles who are preparing the way for this advance. We heard about this last Sunday. and There was a little, little mix-up. James and John weren't quite with the program yet. And when a Samaritan village refused to welcome Jesus, they suggested that they call down fire from heaven on him. And Jesus said, you You don't know what spirits you were of. The son of man does not come to destroy lives, but to save them. All right. Then Jesus sends out 70 other disciples. You know, Jesus had more than the, there was the, the circle of the apostles, the 12, but then there's a, a wider group of disciples and they are 70 in number and he sends them out two by two, 70. Some translations are going to say 72. Lord, help us not get bogged down in textual variance on a Sunday morning. Uh, so we won't worry about that, but 70 are sent out. In twos, 35 groups of twos going out. And they are between Galilee and Jerusalem. They are also preparing the way, going from towns to villages. And why 70? Well, that's, first of all, 70 is a, you probably don't know this. It's a very common number in the Bible. 70 shows up all the time. But it's, I mean, one of the times it shows up is the 70 elders of Israel that ascended up Mount Sinai with Moses to encounter God. And then later, the Spirit came upon them and the 70 elders prophesied. But also, in Genesis 10, it has, it, Genesis 10 is a list of the nations. And there are, you guessed it, 70. And if you want 72, just check with the Septuagint. Okay, that's not for Sunday morning. <clears throat> So, so it represents, 
See, Jesus is, is renewing Israel. So you, you have the 12 tribes renewed in the 12 apostles. You have the 70 elders renewed in the 70 disciples of Jesus. And this, this kingdom that is advancing is going to go eventually to all of the nations. All 70. I mean, we have more than 70 nations, but as it was understood then, it was, it's going to go into all of the nations. The 70. And they have to go forth in the manner of radical trust. They are the vanguard of the invading kingdom. But they come unarmed. They come with no provisions. They aren't even wearing shoes. They're barefoot. And they have to trust in the kindness of strangers. They have no provisions. They don't have anything. And they're just going to have to radically trust. I mean, what, what kind of invading army comes like that? Barefoot with no provisions. But that's how the 70 are sent for. Jesus specifically tells them to go like that. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Woo, yes. As lambs into the midst of wolves, they're going to have to trust. They're going to have to trust God. They're going to have to trust to the kindness and hospitality of strangers. And what they do is they bring a gospel of peace. They heal the sick. And most importantly, they are proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom of God. That's their big message. Uh, the kingdom of God was the message and mission of Jesus and thus also of his disciples. By the kingdom of God, we mean the reign of God, the rule of God, the politics of God, the government of God. I mean, if, if we're thinking about the kingdom of God, approach it by asking this question, what what would, what would it be like if God was running the world instead of principalities and powers, instead of politicians, instead of corporations? If God, I mean, they just didn't work with that question. If God, if the world was run according to the dictates, the will, the purposes, the commands of God. A little thought experiment. Just let your mind, what would it be like? Do you think it might be different? Uh-huh. I think that peace would prevail. He would command peace, as it says in the book of Zechariah, from sea to sea. The sick would be healed. That would be a priority. The poor would be provided for. Love would reign supreme. Life would flourish. And humanity would begin to fulfill its vocation, which includes being the caretakers and gardeners of this planet. Kingdom of God. Now, the message of the 70 that are sent out two by two as this vanguard preparing the way for the advancing kingdom of Christ. Their message is 
the kingdom of God has come near to you. Literally, it says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's right there. It's right there. It's within grasp. It's within reach. They are announcing from towns to town and village to village. They're announcing it's coming. It's right here. The king is coming and the kingdom of God is, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And guess what? The wait is over. Reach out and take it. The kingdom of God is right there. It's right here. The king is coming right now. Don't miss it. Grab it. Seize it. It's a kingdom of peace. In fact, Jesus told him, that's the first word you're going to speak. When you come into a town, you come into a home, you come into those that are welcome, just say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And these are the first words that Jesus speaks in his resurrection. But he sends out the seven. He says, now, when you come, when you, when you enter, just say, peace. Peace be with you. And if they are people of peace, that peace will abide upon them. If they're not people of peace, well, it'll just come back on you. And you'll keep your peace. So it's a, it's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of healing. Because that's, they're specifically told, tend to the sick, heal them. It's a kingdom of love. Because that's what is prioritized. That's what's, what's going to drive things. See, the world as it is is driven by, well, other things. But this is going to be a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of healing, a kingdom of love. And they're, they're to announce it's here now. It's right here. It's right. It's within reach. It's coming. It's right here. Now repent, which means to rethink everything. We've lived this way because we really didn't have any other choice. We didn't know anything else. But now there's an alternative society. And a, a kingdom that's coming. So rethink everything and begin to live into it. The kingdom of God is heaven's alternative for human society. We, we've lived a certain way and, and we think that it's the only way that we can live. But it's the lie. The kingdom of God prioritizes love. Love of God first, and then that flows into love of neighbor. That's not the way the world presently is arranged, but it's the way the kingdom of God is arranged. It's an alternative society. The kingdom of God is what brings peace, shalom, health, prosperity, well-being, human flourishing. That's what the kingdom of God does. And this was the message that the 70 brought to the towns and villages between Galilee and Jerusalem. And so they're sent out. We're not, we're not told how long they were gone. I imagine, you know, a few weeks, a couple of weeks. Because the big event is still yet to happen. The king coming to the capital city to ascend his throne and begin his reign. But the way is being prepared. The 70 go out and they, out there, that, that shoeless vanguard of the kingdom, speaking peace, healing, and saying the kingdom of God is right here. It's near. Here it comes. They come back to Jesus and they are ecstatic. 
They're ecstatic. They're like, you know, high fives. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus, oh yeah, I know it. I saw the Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now to understand this, let's back up in the gospel of Luke. This is, this is really at the very end of Jesus' ministries, right before he goes to Jerusalem. So let's back up to right before his ministry. After Jesus is baptized, he goes into the wilderness, a season of prayer and fasting for 40 days. And then the devil comes and tempts Jesus. Here's one of the temptations. Luke 4, verse 5. Then the devil led him up. Then the devil led him up. Matthew says up a high mountain. It doesn't say a high mountain, Luke, but it's, the idea is that there, there, there's an ascent. The devil leads Jesus to a high place. Okay, up high. But the heavens, maybe, up high, mountain high. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Egypt, Rome, even the great Babylon. He sees them all. And the devil said to him, to you, I will give their glory and all this authority for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So from on high, the devil watches over his kingdom. He says, I have authority over all of this and I give it to whomever I want. Well, that raises a question. Who gave the devil authority over the nations? We did. We did. When we arrange the world according to rivalry so that life becomes a competitive blood sport instead of the gift that it is, when we arrange the world according to rivalry, greed, greed is the engine that drives our whole economic system. When we arrange the world according to Rivalry, greed, accusation. In other words, we unite together because we are against them. When we arrange the world around rivalry, greed, accusation, violence, it becomes a, the world is organized around violent power, around war, because that's, that's what defines, I mean, behind every border, there's been a war. When we arrange the world according to greed, rivalry, accusation, violence, war, and empire, we install the Satan on high. That's why Jesus refers to the Satan as the ruler 
of this world. And Paul refers to the Satan as the God of this world. Yeah, the devil has authority, but not from God, from us. The temptation that the devil presented to Jesus was to become a king like all the other kings. Violent conquest. Become a king like Pharaoh, like Caesar, like all the rest. Come on, Jesus, you're the good guy. You know you are. You know the Romans are bad guys. You know they are. Raise an army. Expel them. Drive them out. Set up your kingdom. But Jesus perceives that if he does that, it is tantamount to bowing down to the devil. And Jesus wouldn't be Lord. Jesus would be lackey to the true Lord, the Satan. And so Jesus is very simple. He just says, it's written, you serve and worship God. You got to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And Jesus says, it's not going to be the devil. I'm going to serve the Lord. His kingdom will come another way. Now, when the 70 return from their mission of proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom of God, Jesus said, oh, yes, I I perceived a precipitous fall of Satan in his kingdom. I felt a disturbance in the force. I know something's happening. I, I, it's like, remember, Jesus is led up on high and has this encounter with the tempter, with the devil, with the Satan. Up on high, the devil says, this is all mine. Cooperate with me and you can have it all. Jesus says, no. And he goes about his ministry. And it's been going on for a few years now. And now at the last, as he's getting ready to come to Jerusalem, he sends out the 70. They come back and say, whoo, even the demons are subject to you. Yeah, I know. I perceive the one who I first encountered on high is falling. It's coming down like lightning. It's swift and precipitous coming down. The Satan is not sitting so secure on high anymore. The Satan is falling, falling, falling. But Jesus said, now, the best part, though, the best part is that your names are written in heaven. That's the best part, that by faith and baptism, you are already enrolled as citizens of the kingdom in the heavens. The Satan Why do I keep saying the Satan? Well, because that's what it says. I mean, that's, that is the literal translation, the Satan. I saw the Satan. Satan is not a proper noun, it's not a name. It's, you know, Satan, Diabolos, Satan, devil, means accuser, slanderer. That's what it means. And he right translates this text in Luke 10, as I saw the Satan fall like lightning. David Bentley Hart translates it even more literally. I saw the accuser fall like lightning from heaven. So what do we say about the Satan? How are we to, how are we to understand the Satan? 
I don't know that we fully can, but I understand the Satan primarily as a cosmic, spiritual, psychic phenomenon arising from idolatry and accusation, reaching its ultimate form in anti-human empire. Thus, for Isaiah, Lucifer is the king, the king of Babylon who with the fall of Babylon falls himself. The Satan is more than a metaphor, far more than that. Far more, but less than a person. By that I mean the Satan, though a very real and dangerous phenomenon, does not actually possess ontological being. The Satan-like evil itself is parasitic in nature. It cannot exist independently because it's not created by God. The Satan can only exist by colonizing a host. If there is no host for Satan, the Satan ceases to exist at all. Indeed, the devil is presented in Revelation as having great wrath because he knows his time is short. Though the Satanic is properly a phenomenon and not a person, the Satanic phenomenon is so real, so powerful, so deadly, so destructive that we cannot help but personify the Satanic as Satan. And this is probably a necessary and even good, helpful move. And if we associate the satanic with a fallen angel, surely it arises from the instinctual understanding that the very worst is nothing but the diabolical corruption of the very best. And so we talk about hurricanes. Hurricanes, how many of you know hurricanes exist? Yes. Hurricanes. And they are a meteorological phenomenon involving moist air and cold air and the rotation of the earth and who knows what all. I don't, I'm not a weatherman. And they become organized. That's the language. They become organized. They become a system. And we give them names. We say, um, that's Hugo. That's Katrina. And that doesn't mean that there is a person up there, but it means this thing is becoming so organized we're going to call it, give it a name. And if somebody says, well, there isn't really a woman up there called Katrina, so therefore hurricanes don't exist. Well, that would be stupid. Of course they exist. So don't, don't let anybody say that BZ said the devil doesn't exist. BZ stood right here and said the devil exists and is very real. But it's not a creation of God. Now, if this helps you, hold on to it because this will help some people. If this doesn't help you, forget about it. I'm not here to give you trouble. I'm here only to help. Okay. I mean, because some people will say, I mean, I remember this preacher used to say all the time, well, if I was God, the first thing I'd do is kill the devil. And then I'd invite all the demons to his funeral and kill them too. And everybody laugh. And I would think, well, sounds like a plan to me. Why not? Well, because it's not that simple. The satanic comes into being through our allegiance to greed and rivalry and accusation and violence and war and empire. And the Satan verges on almost self-awareness and becomes the greatest source of evil in the world. So the devil's real, but it doesn't have ultimate being because it's not a creation of God. All right. However well I do or do not understand the nature of the Satan, I do know what causes Satan to fall. 
And what causes Satan to fall is the proclamation and embrace of the kingdom of God. Where we proclaim the kingdom of God and it is embraced, the devil falls from heaven. The devil falls from his reign on high. Where the kingdom is proclaimed and embraced, the devil falls like lightning. Wherever people hear the good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that Christ brings and believe the good news and begin to live into it, there Satan falls like lightning. Wherever people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to love God with all of their hearts, there Satan falls like lightning. We start with that. We start, we start, where do we begin? If we're going to live the kingdom of God, where do we, where do we start? Where's the starting point? The starting point is there's only one starting point. It's the first commandment to love God with all of our heart. We start there. Because if you don't start there, you're going to have an idol on your hands. And that's going to reinstall the Satan as Lord over us. There is no solid foundation for justice, for human flourishing, for ethics without first loving God. People that try to do justice without loving God are just borrowing on inherited capital from a Christian or Jewish tradition. And eventually that's gonna, they're gonna run out of that and then they won't be able to have any coherent reason for why we should treat people with what we call justice. So where people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to love God with all their hearts, Satan falls like lightning, but it doesn't end there. Where people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, love God with all their hearts and love their neighbors as themselves, there Satan falls like lightning. The scriptural view of justice is that the common good is to be for everybody. I mean, that's the common part of it. This is for everybody. God is not interested in any kind of system that only the rich and the powerful have a good life. If you have a system that, that just generationally, just pumps out generationally, these people, they're rich and powerful, they have a good life. These people are not rich and they're not powerful and their life pretty much sucks. And it just stays, that is, that is the Satan on high reigning and ruling. But when people hear the good news and they believe and they begin to love God with all their heart and love their neighbors as themselves, Satan begins to fall. Wherever people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and begin to love God with all their hearts, love their neighbor as themselves, and embrace the way of peace and reject war, there Satan falls like lightning. What is war? War is the amalgamation of all the worst human sins. Give me a list of 20, the 20 worst sins you can imagine and I'll say they all show up in war. And what we do, his, this, is how we, this is how we listen to the devil. Say, well, yes, we're gonna have peace. That's the whole point of this war. That's the old end justifying the means argument, but the end never justifies the means. The, end, the means are the end in the process of becoming. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Ah, there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. 
And that's why this shoeless vanguard of Christ arrives in the sin. They say, peace be to you. What? Well, we're not going down with all that peace stuff. All right, well, the peace just comes back to me. I'll keep my peace and move on. Okay. Wherever people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, begin to love God, love their neighbor, embrace the way of peace, and refuse to be an agent of accusation, choosing advocacy instead. There, Satan falls like lightning. The Satan, the accuser, the devil, the slanderer, Hasatan, Diabolos, slanderer, accuser. This is a powerful, seductive thing. It's how we mostly unify. We agree to be a community, a team, a tribe, a people, a nation, whatever, because we are opposed to them. And we take all of our anxiety and fear and rage and self-loathing, we collectively gather and project it on them. They're to blame, they're to blame, they're to blame. It's their fault, they're to blame. This is politics, this is how it works mostly. Whether we're talking about national politics or office room politics, that's how it works. And that is the unholy spirit, the spirit of accusation. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of advocacy, but the unholy spirit of accusation produces such a cathartic effect of feeling like we belong. We love each other because, you know, we hate the same people. Isn't it wonderful? We hate the same people. I love you. That cathartic effect is so powerful that people will confuse it for the Holy Spirit. So you have to test the spirit. Is it the spirit of accusation or is it the spirit of advocacy? Jesus didn't say, I will send you another accuser. He said, I will send you another advocate. Wherever people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, begin to love God, love neighbor, Embrace peace. Refuse accusation and choose advocacy. There, Satan falls from heaven like lightning. We cannot legislate these things into existence. We can only live them. We just need to pass some laws then. (sighs) We don't need to change the world. Our calling is to be the world already changed by Christ. To live the kingdom of Christ now. We don't need to wage a war on the devil and pull him down from the heavens. We only need to live the kingdom way and Satan will fall right off of his throne like a lightning. Amen. (laughs) The kingdom of God is within reach. Believe it. Be baptized. Begin to live it together. This is not something you do on your own. This is something we do together. And wherever our people are believing this and living this, Satan falls like lightning. Amen? Stand up with me. I like that sermon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like that sermon. No, I'm not. That's terrible of me. I'm just saying I did like it. It made me happy. Jesus is Lord and Satan falls like lightning. Amen. So I'm going to invite you. We're coming to the very best moment of our gathering. And that's where we are invited to the table of Christ. Where Christ himself offers us participation in his body and blood. That we might be 
the flesh and blood presence of Christ in this world and where we go, Satan falls like lightning. Amen. Join with me in confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's confess our sins and receive the Lord's forgiveness. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.